I'm Lindsay with Wild Root Flower Company. And I'm Shannon from Bloom Hill Farm. Over the last six years, we've leaned on each other as we grew our farms into the profitable six-figure farms they are today. We want you to join us each week as we have real, honest conversations about life and business. And we promise you'll leave feeling inspired and your farming toolbox will be filled with actionable strategies you can implement at any stage in your business. Learn from our mistakes as we talk business, marketing, and growing techniques to help you create the farm of your dreams. So let's roll up our sleeves and get the dirt on flowers. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Dirt on Flowers. I'm Lindsay and we, this uh, episode today, we're going to do another Spill the Dirt series. And um, I have to tell you, so I was just listening to, we always play our intro before so we can kind of like roll right in and it was saying, Mm -hmm. listen to our mistakes, like learn from our mistakes. And uh, we did, we always say we're going to do the Spill the Dirt every Sunday, except mm-hmm. I forgot to do it. Did you notice I didn't do it on Sunday? No. You I didn't? didn't oh. Oh. I Well, <laughs> because I, um, speaking of mistakes, planned way too much for our little farm in 24 hours oh. this past weekend. So I was yeah. like zonked out. I'm sure there's some dirt bags out there that, that was like, hey, I wanted to put my question in. Um, <laughs> promise I'll do it next Sunday. Uh, but we yeah, have, I, we, we have so many good ones though. We really we do get so, so many, many. Good questions. So yeah, we do. It's great. They're they're always great. I'm like, and there's a lot of like, it overlap too with some of them the way mm-hmm. they ask them, and I'm like, oh, that could be a full episode. Even yeah. some of you know, even some that we've already chatted about. You know, I was going through some of the questions with Judd last night, and he was like, "Oh my gosh, you guys really do get a lot of good questions." Not that he, you know, he just didn't know. He was like scrolling through them. <laughs> He's like, "Wow, this is really good." So, um, I think he was pretty impressed with, with you guys too. So that's very mm-hmm. good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was a when I read through them like before we, you know, we do this with kind of an outline of like kind of a little bit knowing what we're talking about. It, I remember thinking of wanting to ask a lot of those questions, the mm-hmm. same, like, just somebody yeah. tell me, somebody tell me yeah. this. Um, yes. And then sometimes you find out later, it's like, oh, well, that didn't apply to me. But, um, you know, it's like you still have those burning questions in the beginning. You, <laughs> you want to know. Yeah. And it's nice to have, it's nice. I wish that I would have had this kind of forum six mm-hmm. years ago. To say like, hey, like just asking questions that not that you think are stupid, but the things that you don't learn and like any like flower farming 101 and everything we learn is like, is so school of hard knocks a lot of ways. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think that's where I hope at least that Linz and I get to add some really good value that way um, because it really is learning by experience and that is like literally the most invaluable learning tool. So we really do try to be candid with our experiences and Mm -hmm. here. And um, yeah, I I think it's, I think it's awesome. I I really do. I always wished that I had this kind of forum. So it really is. I feel really blessed that I get to get up in the morning and um, sit across from Lindsay and get to talk about these things for you guys. So yeah. Yeah. It's like too, when you're even, you know, even now it's like the etiquette of, when to ask a question and to know like is yes. the farmer is the Facebook group which I haven't been on that in a long time yeah. I'm sure there's a bazillion people on there but it's like 
is it qualified information? I don't right. know. Are we qualified information? I think we're qualified information. <laughs> I feel like if we don't know, we'll say it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, and knowing like, um, you know, the etiquette to like reach out to somebody, I think, uh, somebody had wrote in, it's like, Hey, how do we get, you know, like this, their question was, how do we like get farmer friends or like other friends? And I think most of them was, and I I think the question was coming from the place of etiquette, you know, to, or like how Mm -hmm. to connect and, um, you know, a lot of my friendships have been from like local meetings or, mm-hmm. um, you know, comment. Well, you know, I shared about Lori was on the farmer Facebook mm-hmm. group and she was just somebody that I felt like really gravitated towards her energy. And, um, and we just became like chatty. We've actually never met in person. So I think, um, not being afraid to kind of put yourself out there, connect with people that you feel, you know, um, you feel something that resonates with you about that person. But yeah. Yeah. Well, we work alone a lot, so sometimes it feels isolating, mm -hmm. you know, we're like, okay, are we the only ones, only ones that are experiencing any of this? Mm -hmm. With the exception of last week, I think these are from the previous week and maybe even a few more. So we'll just jump into the, we'll just jump into the questions. Okay, Shan. Um, So the first question we had was from uh, Brighter with Blooms. And I think this one was, I can really speak to this one after last weekend, but what is your experience with your farm also being your home? Um, experiences, good and bad. I mean, Chan, I know we can both yes. both speak to this well. Um, and that is After a hours. Oh, yeah. That's it's a really good question to be asking yourself mm-hmm. if um, well, one, if your farm is there, and two, if you're thinking about inviting people to your farm because you could really have a farm. I guess I'll answer this in two questions, two parts. Mm-hmm. Um, you really have to get clear with boundaries for yourself when you live where you work. So for myself, um, you know, I just I just recognized a couple weeks ago, like, you know, I need to get back into having some hobbies that are outside of the farm because I when I had another job, I was able to leave. I, you know, was not just always here. And I love it here. I do. It's mm-hmm. in my like quiet place. Um, it It's what motivates me to keep growing the business because I love this space so much. Um, but I also need a break, a physical and mental break from it. And so I'm like, I think I'm going to start playing softball again. Um, right. And, you know, I in September joined like a little, uh, like a gem membership. Like it's a mm-hmm. kind of like some just like an exercise thing on a couple mm-hmm. days a week. And I thought just for me to physically remove myself, because this is a new issue. Cause before mm-hmm. having, I was all, you know, leaving the farm all the time. So, um, you know, having some separated boundaries with when work starts and when work ends, because there is no physical building that creates mm-hmm. that barrier for you. Like you're not clocking in somewhere. And so, um, you know, I, I, only do office work in my office. That's one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and really giving myself like a hard in time. And that one right there is, kind of, I think, what I struggle with because it'll be in the evening and I'm like, oh, I really, you know, nothing else. I don't yeah. really watch TV or I don't feel like reading. Um, so I'm like, oh, I'll just work on the Canva template or, you know, something. But it's like, it's still yeah. work where my brain's engaged yeah. to the farm. So, um, 
definitely a work in progress on that one. But um, yeah, I can speak to that. And then the other part of it, man, I could say so much about this, but um, I would say overall my experience is good, uh, but I reach a limit with having people on my property um, where the introverted side of me just needs sort of a a break. I, you know, the customers are great. They're the what fills me with energy when they're on my farm, you know, um, and but having that downtime from them too is also like really important for me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, I agree. How do you feel about that? I have, I, this has probably been one of my, our, our biggest struggles. Um, just because when we first started the farm, we had super young children. I mean, our babies. So at that time, it was hard when, when we started our honor system stand at the end of the drive. It was really hard because people would wander up, and we would just be we, we would just be living our lives with babies in the trenches of what that looked like at that point. And it just always felt for me like never that the farm never looked good enough, or we wouldn't ever want people to come because there was like weeds and we had like a very unrealistic expectation of what we thought it should look like plus all the pressure of raising children and and starting the business and working our other jobs so um it it was really hard and I feel like there when you when you work on your farm and your business is your farm there you have to accept that people are going to cross the boundaries at times not because they're being malicious but because they're just people curious people yeah (laughs) it's nosy Yes. Yeah. Nosy. Yes. And, and yeah. part of that's communication too. Like us learning. Yes. What like what doesn't feel good, and just being like, okay, like I need to figure out a solution for this because it's not working for me. Yeah. They're just being human. Yes, and I, I, because I know I might have customers that listen to this, but I don't ever want to talk bad about my customers. But I think we never really had hours for our farm, you know, which was hard. It was hard for customers too. It was an unclear boundary. So I would have like subscription members knocking on my door at 9 PM when the subscription pickup was until six, you know, and I'm like trying to get kids to bed. I've got kids in the bath, you know, it it was a whole ordeal. And, um, you try to be nice and like, Hey, like we're closed, you know, sorry. I mean, even, so to this day, we were swimming, taking some time on Sunday to just to hang in the pool with the kids. And there's two girls walking up the back hill into our barn. We're like, what the heck? It's, it's Sunday. There's not even flowers down at the stand. There's like nothing that says that we're open. And people just feel like they can just walk onto your property. So I feel like that has been hard. And we've learned over time to try and give more grace to our customers because it is an unclear boundary. Um, and we're always trying to like, to say like, hey, we're we're closed this day, the farm's closed, and and also not appeasing. Like when they show up, they'd be like, oh, I was just looking for a bouquet and it was closed. Normally, I'd be like, okay, let me put something together real quick for you. And now we're just like, I'm really sorry, we're closed. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm not appeasing people when they come because then they they do think that they can come at any time. Um, and it's hard. It is. I mean, I agree with Lindsay. It's really hard to turn off work. So for us, at least, our where we grow is like over the back of a hill. So from our home, if we're like 
chilling in the backyard with the kids or whatever, we don't see the farm really, you know, or like how, but when we look at it, we see all the work that has to be done. Um, and, and that's been hard. I mean, I feel like it's a blessing that we can't see it because then it is easier to turn it off. But like now I have the flower studio, which is kind of right by the house. So for me, it's easy to go out there and try and get a few things caught up. Um, and it's a place where customers come. So they're always kind of like looking in our fence. And so I, I think it's, it's something that you're always going to try and define and it's never going to be perfect. So I think coming to that to that realization um, and giving your customers grace is, is the number is the number one thing. And it's like, Hey, we're, we're all trying to establish boundaries and there's always going to be someone who's going to go past the boundary line and mm -hmm. think that they did nothing wrong. Um, and you're going to have those experiences and they're going to feel defeating and violating, you know, mm -hmm. even at times. Um, it's like, listen, like I'm answering the door with no bra. <laughs> I've got a kid. Why is there never a bra? <laughs> never. The bra is never there when they show up. Uh uh. <laughs> never. Nope. Or it's, it's like I don't want to be in my bathing suit in front of my customers. Mm -hmm. I'm like, why? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Can I just relax for two seconds? So yeah. I think it's you know trying to create boundaries and make like for for me my boundary even even like a little different from you, Lynn's like, I have to have when my kids get home, like that has to be the boundary because now I have another something else that needs me. If I did not, if I like didn't have kids, I'd be like, I'd be going mm -hmm. to work constantly. It's and that, yeah. that's hard. It is. That's um, where, yeah. it, and I, you know, you talking about like our, you know, those points where we feel like frustrated or whatever it is and giving the customer mm -hmm. some grace. It's like, those are opportunities that I've been like, okay, that I need I need to be more clear about it's something I don't yes. like. And so how do I fix that from my end and how do I make that more mm -hmm. clear? I've also found that my capacity to tolerate, um, you know, issues on the farm or like whether it's with a customer, there's an entitlement issue. Um, de depending on my rest level, like how yeah. tired I am or what the week was like, um, you know, my capacity to handle that uh, shifts, you know, so realizing like, mm -hmm. okay, I need to take some other stuff off my plate, um, have other mm -hmm. people in place to help me kind of like navigate where like this is an issue again. Um, and then they are, they're just learning your farm. But I don't yes. think these things ever go away when you're dealing with the public because you're dealing with like new customers. But yeah, it's, um, it, there are ways to navigate it where it's still feels safe for you in the way of like mm -hmm. having some downtime um, mm -hmm. and then, you know, being able to enjoy them when your farm is open. So yes, just a yeah. lot of learning. And there's always it's something where you're like, I didn't think of that. Even Friday yes. night, we had another one of our sunset you picks and, you know, we did a ton of planning. Uh, it went great. It went so smooth. And um, we had probably close to three times the people we had in July, which we knew we were going to get because of the mm -hmm. specific food truck. But even as much planning, signage, roping, <laughs> extra people, like stuff was like, <laughs> they're driving where? You know, like people showed up an hour early. So things that were, you know, we were trying to kind mm -hmm. of um, navigate those, that stuff. So it's just like, no matter what, it always, those sort of things always come up and just yeah. being at the having the ability to kind yeah. of handle it. 
Yeah. So he's just chalking it up with the blessing of being able to work at home and that's what I was just gonna say I was like overall it's a it's a positive for me like even all those like negative things because my I love that that I always say like the hustle of our season it's just like everything ramps up Mm -hmm. it's super super busy and then it just slowly winds down and Mm -hmm. you know I I do love that I love winter um me too I love it what'd you say it's a maze balls is that what it's just the best it's the best like it is like a deep breath of like back to working nine to three and not feeling pulled in so many directions it's just like it's like in front of the fire working with your dogs Mm -hmm. and just heaven Mm -hmm. I love it so those are the things like motivating myself for that Mm -hmm. you know knowing that that like rest is coming and so yes yeah it's, it's, it's all, I would say it's mostly positive and it's the same with your customers. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the ones that were, you know, specifically it's like one, it's a lot of times it's a learning curve for the customers too. Sure. There's always going to be like one-off people that are mm-hmm. entitled. Um, yes. It's just part of dealing with public, but you know, for the most part, it's that large, largest percentage of your customer is going to be kind and wanting just you know coming from a place of not knowing and understanding so yeah Mm -hmm. yep 100% okay that was a good question I I know okay um field view fields view farm um tips and tricks for cover cropping process um processes and go-to mixes um I had to consult my cover cropper on this just to make sure I was saying everything correctly cuz Judd is the one who kind of manages all those systems at least on our farm. Um and I know Lindsay you can talk about this too. Um but what he does is essentially after a crop is done, he will brush hog it down and till it in. Um and then from there he uses like just like a it's like a handheld broadcast seeder it's like a bag seeder that he fills up and then it has a crank and we just walk walk the walk the field and broadcast seed the cover crop mix and then after that's broadcast seeded he'll go back and just do like a really shallow like surface till just to kind of like mix it in and make sure the seeds got good contact um, so that's the, the general process with cover cropping. Um, and I think the cover cropping conversation, you could get really deep and I don't know once we could probably have a whole episode on this, like talking about different mixes, but just to be short with it, 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 which cover crop you choose depends on a few things when you're planting it, what your soil needs, what you're looking for it to do. Um, in general on our farm in the summer, like our pathways, we our pathways and any areas that we want to cover crop in the summer. Like so, when our spring crop is done, we will cover crop that that piece of land. Or when we you know put or when we're done with sunflowers, we will cover crop that. And we use kind of like a real quick turning, a quick growing um, buckwheat or oats. So that's like our go-to quick turn summer cover crop. Um, and then in winter, we tend to use either like a rye or a wheat last year or maybe the year before. We did kind of a mix that had daikon, radish, winter peas, and crimson clover. 
And that, that seemed to work good. We had like a lot of hard pan. Um, so we were trying to break that up and just trying to, you know, add some organic matter into the soil over the winter. Um, I think radish, Lindsay, correct me if I'm wrong, is like kind of like a winter kill crop. So it'll kind of, it'll kind of die off and, Mm -hmm. um, and it shouldn't take much like tillage, um, at the end of it. I know, yeah, I, I know Michelle over at Roots, she'll just like direct seed right over her radish crop and not even till because um, it'll kind of winter kill for her. Um, so I think there's a lot of different ways that you can do it, but generally that's how we do it on our farm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. I don't really have much to add other than what drives my cover crop um, is a lot of times is my soil test. So like what mm-hmm. area I'm sort of looking and I... I switched to because I saw one of the one of the places that I could see a large expense um, because of where I live. There is no wholesale option for compost, and it's quite frankly is outrageously expensive, expensive for the volume that I need. And so I started switching to adding organic matter to the soil through cover cropping. Um, also, you know, once you if there's bare ground that's where you get weeds, you know, so reducing weed pressure, um, with having, you know, it covered in a cover crop, you're not getting that weed seed isn't germinating. So it has like competition basically with the cover crop. Um, and we've really, um, you know, we've almost completely switched over to that. The only thing that we use, uh, compost for now is for our tulips. Um, cause we do the, mm-hmm. the no-till method of, of our, for our tulips. So that's the only compost and we end up taking it out, uh, generally. And, um, a lot of times where we put our tulips is a new bed. Like, so we'll, we rotate them, kind of move mm-hmm. them around, even though we're not planting them in the ground. Um, and, uh, that's where the compost will go, or we'll use it inside of one of our tunnels. Yeah. Good. I mean, I think, I think the key to cover cropping is I think you could get really into it with like different mixes and, and you can really go deep with it. I think the key is just covering the bare ground and keep adding that organic matter to your soil. Um, and I think just picking the right cover crop for what you need it to be as far as how fast you need it to germinate and cover, I think is really important in the season that you're planting it in. So just be mindful of those, of those things. Yeah. And we actually are talking about having a full cover crop episode with a company yeah. that um, I just used a company called Vitalize Seed. Uh, and they, they're traditionally yeah. used for um, food plot for like deer hunting. Yeah. But what's so interesting about the mix and what I'm switching to um, is actually if you're limited on space, some of this, what I'm talking about won't work. But keeping in a field in cover crop the entire year. So the spring, like fall mix of the stuff that's getting planted now over winters um, comes up. And then um, in the spring, you would kind of brush hog it off like you were talking, till it in and then go with a summer mix. But basically Mm. one mix feeds the next. So essentially you're like feeding the soil for this entire year. The way I'm using this one, we're actually, it's our UPIC expansion. So we're only using it for spring. Um, But we're talking about maybe shifting their entire program. But this, there's so much about around soil health um, that is such a big conversation. I mean, healthy plants have, Mm -hmm. you know, less disease, less insect pressure. um, And that starts with healthy soil. So yeah, cover cropping is great. 
your extension is another good resource, like your local extension office. Like they a lot of times have cover cropping um, books just specific for your state or your region. Yep. They're definitely a, a per- that, that's where we actually started with us. So we didn't even know where to start. Cause if you go like on the flower farmers group, there's a gazillion different mixes and a lot of different people who, who use different things. Um, and I really think he, if, if you could just reach out to somebody local, um, have your soil tests and get some recommendations that way, it would be a really great start. Okay. Perfect. You want to do question three? All right. So um, Mama Bee's Flower Farm asks us, how many years into your business did you start making six figures? Um, for, I guess I want to start this and say, like, I remember feeling curious about this same question, like, mm-hmm. because I, we mentioned this last time, but like an Enneagram three, and I'm just naturally have a competitive personality. Um, so with competitiveness comes comparison sometimes for me. Um, and it's, it isn't about, it's just because I am really want to drive myself forward. I'm really goal oriented. Um, and so naturally I will look outside to say like, you know, finding like a mark of where I should be. So I guess when I share my answer and, it's not coming from a place of comparison, right? Because maybe your goal is you don't care if you hit six figures. Um, mm-hmm. Mine was a goal because I I ultimately wanted to be full-time on the farm and I knew financially um, I needed to make more in order to be able to pay myself the salary that I was, that I'm wanting to get. Um, and I also have this um, fear of, having big goals and talking about them. Like there's this like um, underlying like, oh, somebody's like, somebody's not going to like me, you know, I think um, because of that. But then I, I've stopped and thought like Joanna Gaines or, you know, um, even Kaylin Sheik up in, who's a friend of mine up in Northern Michigan. It's like, she's a badass, you know, just mm-hmm. the way they like drive and they inspire me, you know? So I think, mm-hmm. Um, reminding myself of those things. So I guess I'll just say those. Um, but my my to answer the question, mine was year three. Um, and uh, this the first year was, you know, I had a successful first year. Um, the second year had kind of doubled off of that. Um, and then the third year is when i I hit six figures. Um, but also, I want to preface that by saying just because somebody makes six figures, like where are they on their profit? You know, right. um, it took me doing that great. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you're, I mean, you could be buying fancy equipment and eating up all the profit. Um, so yes, it's a, it was a goal of mine. Um, but it also took me, and I talked about this in the ASCFG, my presentation was that my expenses were extremely high. So the fact that I was hitting six figures, it didn't really matter. My expenses were outrageous. My profit margin was low because I had a, there were a lot of reasons, but I had a full-time job. I was able to sort of throw money at a problem. Um, I wasn't looking at my books in a thoughtful way. Um, and so there were a lot of learning curves, a lot of lessons along that process. But um, But yeah, that would be don't compare yourself to saying like, oh, I'm year four and I haven't, you know, I mean, yeah. there's a lot of people that can make, you know, half, half of that and 
be making a lot of money, you know? So it's really what your end result is. But anyway, all right, Shan. Yeah. You? Um, I Yes. I, I would say um, year three with, for us as well. And I feel like that first year is like so much trial and error and like feeling success. The second year is like refinement and adding some additional items and figuring out what your customers like. Like I really loved that second year because my customers were – I was really in tune with them and I was – figuring out what was working um, for us. And then year three is just like when you have completely like honed in, your growing skills are better, everything, your marketing skills, you're gaining brand awareness, um, all that kind of stuff, which is like kind of like you gain momentum over the time, over time. And I feel like for us, year three was a turning point. But I would, you know, like to say like, we have literally just started really paying ourselves last year, last year, which would have been year five. So there's a lot of, there's so many variables in our businesses, the decisions that we make for us, we're supporting, we are supporting our family on the farm. So it does need to have a certain level of income and profitability in order to do that and, you know, have employees and, do all the things that we want to do. Um, so just because six figures is like a goal of yours, I would just say, okay, but why, why, why is it a goal? And I think kind of working backwards is be like, how much money do I need to live, be comfortable? And how much money do I want to pay myself first? And, and I'm telling you this because I have, I had to learn this the hard way. I never considered myself first at all. And Lindsay and I have had these discussions for years before we really started paying ourselves. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. how do we put ourselves first? Because we always had other jobs. So the farm always came first. So I think if you do want to get a full-time income from the farm, then you need to figure out how much money do you need to live comfortably, not like, you know, eating a can of beans every night, but like to live comfortably and happily and then kind of work your business plan back from there. So I mean, every year I set business goals, um, every year I set income goals. And I think just in the past couple of years, I've really set expense goals because I'm realizing mm-hmm. that those two go together. So we can make six figures. We can also, you know, spend six figures pretty easy. Yep. So I think it's having the awareness of both and not putting too much emphasis on that. What am I making number? Um, Mm -hmm. or that gross profit number of gross sales. Um, I I think it's good to have goals, but I think it should be one piece of what you look at as the entire picture of how financially healthy your farm is. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of learning that come that, I mean, yeah, I was learning, you're learning how to run a business. You know, I think Lori was saying that the easy part, you know, and last week she was saying the easy part is growing flowers. And that's a joke because it's not easy growing flowers. And Mm -hmm. yeah, learning to run a business, learning about chart of accounts and, you know, cost of goods and all these things. Um, It's why it takes so much time, I think, to being patient. I remember year one talking to a friend who's like, I just want to quit my job. Like, it was so funny that 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 was my thought, you know, I was like Mm -hmm. seeing what came in the door. I'm like, oh yeah, like I could live on them that. And it was this, no, you can't, you know, I mean, there wasn't, there. I mean, it, maybe you can, if you had a spouse and, you know, yeah. but you also cannot make more money without 
spending more money. Those two are yes. not very often, not very often can you, um, you know, so perfect example is our uh, sunset UPIX. you know, as those grew, um, it requires more staff, more prep, um, more everything to make that bigger event happen. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, think about your CSA expanding, it takes more staff, more flowers, more sleeves, more stickers, more time, all, you know, those things go hand in hand. So, um, but yeah, that's good question, but yeah, keep your goals. They're, they're great. Just know that there, there's always a little asterisk beside it that says like, there's more that we need to talk about. (laughs) Yes. For sure. Yes. Okay. Um, question from Farmhouse Blooms. What are your favorite business tools for tracking invoices, etc.? Um, for us on our farm, and I know Lindsay does too. We for invoicing, we use QuickBooks. Accounting, we use QuickBooks. Um, expense tracking, QuickBooks. Everything goes in QuickBooks. Lindsay is way is like a QuickBooks expert. I am still trying to figure out the happy medium of keeping my QuickBooks up to date. I'm still a little bit behind on mine for the year. So um, she's really good. She, Lindsay could talk a little bit about this, but uh, as far as like creating a schedule to keep those things updated. Um, and as far other, other than that, we use Google suite or Google, what's it called? Workplace? Uh, sheet. Google. Uh, workplace. Google yeah. workspace. Google Work- workspace. G suite. It has a new name. G suite. G suite. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so we use the whole, all of Google to, for like Google drive, um, Google sheets, Google docs. Google Forms, um, Google Calendar. We use that whole thing. I, I really do. I think I encourage you that when you have one system, you just kind of go all in with it and and not system hop because um, that is a headache um, in itself. Um, and I just think and there's no perfect system with that kind of stuff. And I feel like I like Google because generally people are familiar with it and use it. It's, it's widely used. Um, and you shouldn't have any problems, you know, trying to translate with people how to use a Google Sheet, um, that kind of stuff. Other than that, so QuickBooks, Google, and and then like even I use Trello generally as like a as a work management. Um, we keep like our florist contacts. We keep the podcast stuff in here. Um, it's basically like, um, a card management system has like little cards that you move into different categories for tracking. Um, so Trello is like our, what I would call like our project management system. So Mm -hmm. I think that's, those are my three biggies. What about you? Yeah. Yeah. Same. Um, the only thing for, we use Trello for the podcast. I use Asana on the farm. Um, and it's, it's helpful for me with like long-term. So, you know, we can get really I can get really bogged down with um, the things on my to-do list. So I put those current things on my calendar and then stuff that like even have like winter projects or um, things that like I know we want to do for the for the podcast. I have it on a card in Asana and it'll say like I set a little like alarm where it shoots me an email and says like it's December. Like, hey, do you want to start thinking about this thing again? It kind of like brings it back to the forefront. Um, 
we tried using it earlier this year for like farm tasks, like repeating farm tasks. It didn't really work, kind of fell off. So we still use the Google Sheets as that. So, um, but yeah, it's those, I would say those are my three. As far as my routine for QuickBooks, um, I just have a weekly day that um, I sit down and can like reconcile stuff and do invoicing, um, things like that. Cause I can let the invoicing stuff go. Um, Mm -hmm. if I don't, and then you forget, you know, if you don't like just stay on top of it with a routine, cause stuff comes up, you know, florist calls and needs a order on the fly and it's like on the back of my hand somewhere, you know? (laughs) So, um, just what I love about QuickBooks too is the app. So a lot of times you can just Mm -hmm. right there on the fly, can pull up an invoice or like get, you know, build one if you're like delivering to a florist. So it's pretty, pretty snazzy, but yeah, I don't have anything to add to that. I think those are those are great. Mm. Yeah. Um, another note about QuickBooks, even, you know, I, Lindsay, do you, you use Square, don't you? For yes. your like credit card processing? Yeah. Okay. And QuickBooks, so this year we kind of transitioned to use QuickBooks, um, has a credit card processing module, kind of like Square. Um, it's called Go Payment, where it kind of auto puts in the sales receipts from your credit card processing, which is kind of nice. Um, so we use the go payment function on there. We also run payroll through QuickBooks and, um, Lindsay, you do too, correct? Yeah, I do. We have the time yeah. tracking app too. So they just clock in and out on their yeah. phone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there is like quick QuickBooks, I, I, I don't know, maybe it gets a bad rep, but I feel like it, it does have a lot of like business management extras that can be used and, um, it really is an invaluable part of the business and it's an important part because at the end of the year um, your records literally mean everything you should be making decisions based on your records Um, all your accountant needs your records in a clear way so that you're not like paying tax on things that should be wholesale you know all all the things I think it can cause you a lot of headaches if you really don't have your um, ducks in a row there so it really is an important tool that is used Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And also like that I looked at it quickly. I was able to go in and pull a report because I couldn't remember if it was year three or year four um, with the six figure. And I was like, oh yeah, Mm -hmm. it was year three. And you could just go in and pull it up really quickly on a report. Um, And it's also how I pay like sales tax every month. Um, You know, I go in and there's Mm -hmm. all of those receipts and everything are in there. Um, I I use Square and they have a they have an app. There's a lot of integrations with QuickBooks, which makes yes. it great for in that perspective. And so I think it's called like One Sauce S something One S A A S. However you say that, I don't yes. know. And it it takes my website sales because I use Squarespace with Stripe connected to it. Okay, mm-hmm. and so it takes <laughs> all of those and imports it into QuickBooks as a receipt, a sales receipt. So for That's years, nice. yeah. yeah, for years I was like every sale through my website, I was going in and making this invoice. I'm like, there has to be an easier way. And there is. Most of the time, if you're thinking there's an mm-hmm. easier way, somebody's already thought of that. So yeah, I yeah. really, I love QuickBooks. And I do know that we always say there's is going to be an episode on it, but there is going to be, we're going to dive yeah. into, into those, um, at some point here in the near future. Cause it's a, it is a beast. It's intimidating. Um, yes. you know, I think just getting 
breaking those intimidating things down into like bite size, like manageable stuff is, uh, is very helpful. So, yep. I'm a QuickBooks fan. Me too. Okay. Well, that was good. Yeah. I think that was awesome. So, um, as always, you guys know, we really appreciate you joining us um, for another episode. Um, if you have not yet, please hit the subscribe button. That way you'll just be notified when we have a new episode. But we're, we're trying to be pretty regular over here on Fridays. So um, make sure you're tuning in on Fridays while you're doing any task or just wanting to veg out and chill with us. Um, head over to our Instagram at Dirt on Flowers. Drop us a comment or message. Tell us what you want to hear more of. You guys are doing awesome with that. Um, we're really excited because in one of the upcoming episodes, we'll be doing an on-air 15-minute coaching call with one of the dirt bags that left a review. So if we're going to continue doing that. So if you want to or feel compelled to, we would love it if you would give us some feedback um, and leave us a review. We'll be choosing a person to do a free 15-minute coaching call. So if that's something that you might be interested in, you feel compelled, please leave us a review. Um, as always, thank you guys for joining us for another episode. We will see you at the same time, same place next week. Bye.